As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? Hear that co-host shouting, it's Dana and Jay. All right, today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is brought to you by Visa, a network working for everyone. Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic here working for you. How are we doing, Jay? Doing well. You know, th- this is actually maybe the the a week where I'm a little jealous of you. I I, am happy that my kids are grown, but you get close to Christmas time and you really start missing those moments. And I just wonder if at your house is this week kind of like that hour before a boxing match in Vegas where you can just feel the energy, feel the excitement. Is it, are your girls just bouncing off the walls? I haven't been to a boxing match in Vegas in a while, (laughs) but I do believe Vegas is filled with lots of, uh, emotions and people crying and gutters occasionally and <laughs> highs and like so so in that respect uh yeah it's a roller coaster you know <laughs> from moment to moment you never know if you're going to be hitting the jackpot or uh you know going back to the atm uh in in, in you know per, per, you know, i guess uh, practically speaking so uh yeah in that respect yeah yeah absolutely just like before a big prize fight um no it, it is there's a lot of excitement we've seen. I got to they at at my daughter's uh daycare, they brought Santa and Mrs. Claus in and I had the first experience in dealing with this question at dinner last night and that was uh why did Santa's beard have a strap on it? And I'm like, can we get a Santa with a better setup? Jeez. Can we get one with a real beard? Can we not you got it's a daycare. It's full of nothing but impressionable young kids. And yet we can't get the one where they all see the strap on Santa's beard. And I have to answer to this. All right, Even the sorry. supply chain I is love affecting my daycare. Santa. I, yeah, supply chain. Supply chain. <laughs> supply chain issue. I, lo- I love my daycare. I, I love everything about the daycare that, that I send my girls to. But I just I just need, I need a Santa that doesn't have the strap <laughs> showing. So I don't have to talk about this and, and try to work my way around these questions. Um, we've got a lot to get to. Got a lot to yesterday on the live room. Thanks for everybody for coming in and answering and asking questions there. They were great. Um, I'm looking into Fear to Tiger. Uh, 
and we're going to see if we can uh, find out what Bootsy's doing and see if there, there's any way to get a recreation of that uh, for a 2021 version. I, I think that's uh, it was a great way to end the episode, and I'm still working on it, uh, which will continue to include a trip to fretboard to just drink Bootsy beer and think about it. Uh, so anyway, uh, that is up on the site. In case you didn't see it on the feed, you can go, go on there and listen to that episode now. Uh, but so a lot of, lot of good stuff that we covered yesterday. Um, got some news to get to, and we're going to talk. We're going to really dive into the playoff picture, where it sits after the Browns loss, and the wild card, and the North, and what some of the the numbers are saying, and and the size of this Sunday's game against the Ravens. In case you didn't already understand the enormity of it, we've got all of that. I want to really dive into that. Um, we're going to bring in our good friend Mo Egger from ESPN fifteen thirty to talk about you know, really what the, the true takeaway from Sunday's game should be. And, and a tweet that I lo- that I loved his approach to a big news story this week. And, you know, I just I'll, – I'll leave it at that. I won't go any further. Just I really liked it. And I'm um, going to drop that on him. And so that – and we'll, we'll recap Growler Bet and Run Passer Boot and all of those things that we like to do. Let's start with news, Jay. Um, Joe Bacci tore his ACL yesterday in Denver, so he is out to the linebacker room is dangerously thin but it's already it's been dangerously thin so i don't know what we would call it now busted up i mean that you still jermaine pratt is just one man holding the pieces together at this point i mean um so here's where you're gonna logan wilson will not is not expected to play on sunday they took a chance not putting him in ir with the idea that in that third week he might be able to come back in an optimistic timeline and play against the Ravens. And the idea of how important that could be was worth the risk of that last roster spot. Well, that blows up in their face, and uh, Wilson's not going to be able to go. So they burned the roster spot for nothing. But I don't know how much of a difference it made. Either way, with Bocce now out, you are talking about Marcus Bailey and Jermaine Pratt as your starters with some combination of Austin Calitro, Clay Johnston, and Keandre Jones sprinkled in as backups. And I'm going to guess that most of you don't know who any of those people are. You know, I, I thought Marcus Bailey played fairly well. And I, when I asked Zach about him yesterday, it was, it wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement, but I've been high on that that guy since they drafted him. They they took him in the seventh round. He's probably a second round pick if he doesn't tear his ACL at the end of his last year at Purdue. And um, you know, he kind of had that redshirt year his fresh year and first year and had trouble getting on the field last year. I'm, I'm really interested to see how he's going to play. He's he's got all the physical tools, um, and you know he's he's got Jermaine Pratt running the show. He just has to go out there and and, and react. But you're right, it is. It is dangerously thin there. Um, and the the one thing I will say about the Logan Wilson thing, there's a lot of angst on Twitter about that. Obviously, they don't have a, a crystal ball. They, they took a gamble. It didn't pay off. I do wonder if they had that roster spot two weeks ago if Trent Irwin is returning punts mm. instead of Darius Phillips. It, it, it may have cost them a win. It's a great point. It's a great point if that is actually – because there was a lot of talk about how tough it was to pull off the roster that week. Yeah. And that's a big reason why Darius was up. Uh, you're, you're, you're right about that. Um, so we'll see. Wilson potentially could be back. Maybe now you start – you're aiming more at week 18 against the Browns 
or whatever, um, because it didn't. You know, the fact that they're already not really giving him any hope to play this weekend suggests that you're looking at the longer end of that timeline. Browns playoffs potentially on on Logan Wilson. Either way, Jermaine Pratt has played fairly well. PFF didn't think so. They had him as the lowest graded defensive player, but I, you know I don't know. That's not what my eyes told me. And 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 uh, honestly, I've watched a lot of bad linebacker play uh, in my lifetime covering this team, and I don't think he necessarily was that yesterday. Um, I kind of talked a little bit about that yesterday in the live room, but. He's really kind of holding that room together. And Al Golden, I mean, the guys do keep coming in. These, you know, Joe Batchy came in and played well. Anybody that's kind of stepped in there has held it up enough um, that they haven't been killed by it. So they're going to hope that Marcus Bailey can be the latest in that line. Joe Mixon's injury was dubbed uh, an encouraging mm-hmm. and an ankle. I don't know what to make of those. These 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 early week uh positive optimistic diagnoses don't always turn out well um at the end we've heard similar things on Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef over the course of these last month or so and 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 so I don't I don't know for sure if we'll see Mixon back this weekend or not we we might it's better than hearing uh you know he's going on IR or something like that I will say and you're right this things can feel different the day after a game but I went down early to make sure I was in the post-game press conference, and I saw Joe walk in, walk down the tunnel with his teammates. No limp, not going slow. He was working at, walking at his normal pace. So that at least was an encouraging sign that it, it wasn't something that that was bothering him right then. But, you know, you got the adrenaline going, a big win. You don't know how it's going to go. But Zach did sound pretty encouraged that they would limit him early in the week. And yeah, you, you feel they're, they're going to need him against Baltimore. And and the linebacker too, the linebacker situation. I mean, if there's one opponent you don't want to be weak at linebacker for, it's Baltimore, especially if Lamar Jackson's back. Yeah, we saw them survive it against San Francisco, another team that puts a lot of stress on your linebackers, and 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 so we'll see how they come out of that one. Um, Khalid Kareem has a concussion; he's in the protocol. We know what that means. I mean, that typically means you're going to miss a week. Um, so we'll see if if he returns. Um, Kima Deneji has an ankle. Seemed to be some optimism around him just being limited during the week and see if he comes back. Obviously, if not, I think you'd see Jackson Carmen slide into that role again if, unless they think that they could potentially would want to bring back Xavier Suofilo off of, I don't know. The bottom line is I think there's a good chance that Deneji uh, comes back, but that's another one that we'll be tracking during the week. As far as injuries go, that's that's really it and i would i would offer perspective to go ahead and take a peek at the baltimore ravens uh projected opening day starting 22 <laughs> uh from the preseason if you want to know what it's like to truly feel banged up and debilitated or watch any of the browns game last night uh and, and know what it looks like the Bengals are the healthiest team in the division one of the healthiest teams in the league still despite um the late rash of injuries that we've seen all their weapons are still out there, and I do think it's making a difference. Um, perspective is important right now as we dive into the playoffs. I mean, Bengals are eight and six. They are in first place in the AFC North on December twenty first, the start of winter, and that typically means draft talk and like people talking about should they lose on purpose uh, and all these bad things it's been, and now here they are in a year that I don't think anybody thought they would be in this spot with 
sitting in the driver's seat in the AFC North with argue, arguably the biggest game in this stadium's recent history since the last time they played a playoff game there. This is what you asked for. It's what you wanted. It's what you hoped for. And they've got it. And, you know, I do think there's something to be said for the fact they've gotten themselves to this point, regardless of how they finish. Yeah. And just, I mean, aside from what it would mean in the standings and kind of bearing Baltimore, but you're right. Everybody thought next year was going to be the year where the, the playoff window really opens. Just the, the, the psyche, the psychological advantage, it, if they sweep Pittsburgh and Baltimore this year, and, and you know this team has some of the most cap space in the league, and you're still going to have Joe Burrow on a rookie contract next year. I mean, that really set if that forget about what it does with the playoff picture this year. That really sets a tone going forward into next year. But it is it's. I was playing around with the playoff machine and trying to see. I mean they they have. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a long shot. Now it comes down to winning out. But I, it, it's not a crazy thought to think they could get to the number one seed. Is it, though? I mean, they obviously at that point you're beating the Chiefs and you're bringing them down a notch. Uh, right. The, the, the thing is, three of their six losses were to NFC teams. And that first tiebreaker, if it's not head-to-head, where if it is head-to-head and you're counting winning out, then you've got it against Kansas City. They've got a big advantage in conference record. So if it ends up in one of those three-way ties for the best record, they're in great shape there. And, and all these teams, there, there's not a not a playoff team that has kind of a cushy schedule. You you can see in a, in most Kansas City's gonna have to lose two. Everybody else is gonna have to pretty much lose one. And, and you could see it happening. Now, the, the longest the longest odds are the Bengals winning out. Because I think it's I think it's equally as likely that they go three and zero and zero and three. I, I could see it going either way. If they lose this Baltimore game, mm-hmm. and then they've got Kansas City, and then you're on a, a two game losing streak again, going into Cleveland. Cleveland's got everything to play for. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be two and one, one and two. But if, if I was ranking the odds, I would I would say there's an equal chance for three and zero as there is for zero and three. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Okay, let's dive into these odds. Let's talk about what this looks like right now. Um, here's how big this game is. So I kind of took a peek and started playing around at 538. 
and currently they have the Bengals odds at 50% to make the playoffs and 38% to win the division. Now, here's how that changes depending on this weekend's result. Lose to the Ravens and you're 24% to make the playoffs and 10% to win the division. Beat the Ravens, you are 78% to make the playoffs and 71% to win the division. A 61% leverage gap. Now, this is under an assumption that I plugged in that the Browns, in whatever capacity, they're still a functioning team on a short week, lose at Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, they will be heavy dogs there. They are heavy dogs there. And that the Steelers lose at Kansas City, they'll be heavy dogs. They are heavy dogs there. I don't think that's a wild thought. I mean, you you put the Ravens out. I mean, you base you you essentially put the Ravens out. I mean, there's always a chance they could come up off the deck, but here's the schedule of these these four teams. You know, the Ravens go Bengals, then they have to play the Rams at home and the Steelers. So they would have their even if the even if the Ravens win this week, they have their work cut out for them at the Rams. The Steelers got to go to the Chiefs this week. And then you're going to have kind of a, an elimination game between the Browns and the Steelers in week 17. One of those teams is going to eliminate the other one. Then obviously Bengals, Browns that week, Ravens, Steelers that week. You know, that there's just gonna it's gonna continue to knock itself out. I I think nine wins does it. I think nine wins is gonna be enough in the division just because of how much these teams are gonna knock each other out. And that's under an assumption, you know, that the Bengals could beat the Ravens, or really I guess it depends how it goes. But I think nine wins might be enough. Now it, you need to but it really all kind of does come back to this one. I think it nine could be enough if it's the Bengals and they beat the Ravens because that's going to put them at four and one in the division. I I still think the division champ's going to have ten. Somebody's going to somebody's going to win two of the last three. Well, if if it's Pittsburgh, then that 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 only puts them at nine. But it's funny you said you know that you can knock out Baltimore by beating them. Right now they're out. They're the eight seed right now, so you yeah. you would basically lock them out. They're already on the outside looking in. Um, it's and the thing too about that what I was talking about with the conference record, where I don't think you're going to see like we saw Denver make that huge drop after their loss, and then we see the Browns. They could have been the four seed if the Raiders don't make that field goal at the end of the game, instead they're the 12. I don't think you're going to, if the Bengals lose, I don't think you're going to see them fall that far because of their conference record, which obviously it'll, it'll go to six and four as opposed to six and three right now. But it, they, they just feel like they opponents aside, they've just, they've got the better path. They've got two of three at home. They've got the better conference record. It, yes, they have control of their own destiny, but it also feels like, it's just there for them to take. And I've seen some people talk about, well, what? let's talk about Pittsburgh, right? I mean, mm. they got to go to the Chiefs. They, they got this damn tie uh, that takes all the tie break. It's, I just don't understand how they're still here. And the credit to Mike Tomlin, 
This is the same year as the, the, the Duck Hodges or whatever year. I mean, it's like, how how is he doing it? And this is how you end up a guy that's never had a losing record. Because it just no matter what, he does seem to find a way. And, I mean, the, fa- the them beating the Titans this past week, you get four – they did it by getting four turnovers when they hardly had any offense or running game or anything is is remarkable. So people will you know, say, well, worried about 9-7-1 Pittsburgh, right? Worried about that being the difference. i only say this. If you're worried about Pittsburgh, don't forget, because you have Browns and Steelers in Week 17, essentially an elimination game, if Pittsburgh wins to put themselves in that position, the Browns will have probably have nothing to play for in mm-hmm. Week 18. They will be eliminated. And that team has had all the inkling to be one that the moment they're eliminating, the ship is going to sink fast. Think Bengals-Ravens Week 17 last year, okay? A team with zero interest in doing anything other than hitting the offseason. If the Bengals go up there and the Browns have nothing to play for, they IR, and they've got all these guys at the COVID list and the guys that are playing hurt and Baker Mayfield's shoulder. I mean, you may see Nick Mullins again. Like, you know, I just think you're going to see a Browns team that'll look pretty similar probably to the one that they just fielded last night against the Raiders, which was a massive result. If that the Browns happened, are still very much in it, though. But that, I oh, mean, yeah. I just, you got to keep that in mind if you're worried about the Steelers, that what that would mean for the Bengals' Week 18 opponent. If that happens and the Browns are out of it, the, First Energy Stadium could look like what we've seen Paul Brown Stadium look like the last few years. I could see a lot of Bengal fans going up there and getting cheap tickets and kind of taking over that that stadium and, and having a chance to clinch a playoff berth. And um, I don't know that it's going to get to that. But I, I, I was going to ask, too, because who does who's the middle game that the Steelers have? They've got the Chiefs this week, and they wrap with the Ravens. Browns. Who's the Steelers? It's Browns. Browns. Oh, Steelers it's going to be a cage yeah. match, basically. Yeah. Okay. Because you so. get, you get. I mean, you get those two teams against each other, and and whoever loses that, I mean, right. I, I don't know. They can change this dynamic a lot if they can pull off an upset. I mean, if the Browns can go into Green Bay on Christmas and beat Aaron Rodgers, or the Steelers can go into Kansas City and upset the streaking Chiefs. I, I just don't think either team is equipped to do either of those things. Although I didn't think the Ravens were equipped with Tyler Huntley to to beat the Packers, and I'll yeah. be God, they were right there at the end with a chance to do so. So never count anything out. And in the league where the Lions beat the Cardinals, I don't know that anybody should be ever counting anything. Um, and, and so there's a long way to go still, but that doesn't change the fact of you know, this really feels like the fulcrum game for the Bengals this Sunday. We've pointed to it for a month. It has always felt like this was going to be the big one to really grab the entire division by the throat. It doesn't put it away. It wouldn't end anything. But when you consider where the, who the other teams are playing, the challenge that they have, the fact that the Bengals have the Chiefs next week and the uphill battle that game will be puts even that much more importance on Sunday. I want to bring in one thing Zach Taylor was sort of asked about um the enormity of this game and and what that means to the message that you sent. And and I thought it was sort of interesting 
you know, there is a real embracing of it and a real honest embracing of this game is bigger than the other ones and, and understanding the playoff picture and openly discussing it. Here's, here's Zach Taylor uh, on Monday talking about how big this one is. Does this feel more important? And do you want your team to embrace that it's a big, important game? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because time's running out, you know, it's, it's, there's only so many games left and we understand that. And um, we understand the importance of, of, Baltimore's right there with us, you know, and, and at the end of the season, they very well could have the same record we do. And so um, not splitting with them and, and having a 2-0 lead on them and is a big deal. You know, we've got it on Pittsburgh right now. Uh, we really need it on Baltimore. And so, um, a, again, this game would matter no matter who we're playing against. We need to get as many wins as possible here. Um, that's the only way we can control our own destiny. But but certainly to to be 2-0 and against, against Baltimore would be a big deal for us. I thought that was, you know um, – very honest and, and there's no reason not to be. Um, I, but I always wonder why coaches are, you know, they, I guess they just like are just a lot of coaches just get stuck in coach speak and can't really do anything other than say, Oh, another game. We're just going to do what we do. Yada, yada. But I thought that was a little different. The other thing is once we get beyond the division here and you can start talking, the wild card, I, I just think is a much tougher fight right now I, I think when you look at look at the eight and sixes so you, the Ravens are eight and six obviously we discussed them but here's the other three eight and sixes along with the Bengals filling those last three wild card spots you have the Colts who are on fire I, I think the Colts are one of the most dangerous teams in football right now and I think they're as much a contender in the AFC as anyone not named Kansas City and they go to Arizona this week, who's going to be mad off the Detroit game, but who knows what's going on there? Was it DeAndre Hopkins and other injuries that have them down? Or, or are they, was that just a hiccup against a bad team? I don't know, but they'll be mad. After that, Raiders at Jags. I mean, the Colts could run the table, they're, they're good. And th- that could, they could flip the Titans, right? and end up still taking that division. That's not out of the question. How about the Chargers? We saw them here a couple of weeks ago. They go to the Texans. They play the Broncos at their place and go to the Raiders. That's not some gauntlet. You got to feel they're winning two out of three to get to 10. The Bills, huge one this week against the Patriots at the Patriots, right? After that, Falcons, Jets, both both in Buffalo. They're probably winning two out of three. They're getting a 10. So if you're not winning this division, you need to be getting a 10 somehow. So, you know, I think it comes down to it comes down to that. I mean, and that's why even more signs point to this Ravens game because thinking you could flub here and find a way to do something and snag a wild card, I think that's gonna be a tough, that's gonna be a tough one for you when you consider the schedule and, and how well some of these other teams are playing. I, I don't think the Bills are very good. I think if you look at their schedule and who they've beaten, they you know they don't they haven't played well against decent teams. They've kind of just beaten up on bad ones. And you know the the Bucks game they can't had to come from way back and almost won, but they still lost. So for me, you know, again, I just think all signs point to the North. That's just all it is to it. it that's where it goes through. Yeah, is. It, 
as good as the the Bengals record is in the conference right now, they there's two teams ahead of them, New England and Indianapolis. New England's seven and two, Indy's seven and three. So it does if there is a big log jam for those those three wild card spots, they are gonna have an advantage based on on their conference record. That's assuming it's a, a ten and a ten and seven log jam. The the thing that that also is encouraging because they do have that loss to the Chargers. What when you're looking at a division champ and and there's a like a, a multi-team tie, head to head comes into play. It's just whoever has the best winning percentage among those teams. When it's for a wild card, the only way head to head comes in is if one team beat all the other teams are tied with. So if it's a three-team tie, four-team tie, one team has to have swept everybody else to win that tiebreaker. Otherwise, it goes to conference record. And that's the Bengals are going to have an advantage there. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't – I don't say, yes, the better chance is to win the division, but I, I don't think it's it's that far out of the question for, for them to, to get in in a wild card because they are so well positioned with that six and three conference record right now. But they'll need 10. And if they get yes. to 10, they're winning the division. Unless they lose to Baltimore this week. I guess then, that's possible if Baltimore yeah. catches fire that way. Yeah. I mean, but if they get to 10, they're in. I, I, I do, I think yeah. that in some way. I don't. I don't see this being a year that a ten-win team is left out. And maybe I eat my words on that, but I just don't. I don't see that. Um, I, especially when you, like you said, they do have advantages in the conference record. They get to ten, it's over. They're in. Mm-hmm. They're going to play somewhere. And I, if you're them, they probably prefer a road game, uh, considering the way they've played on the road as opposed to at home. Uh, but that said, I mean. It all just starts with winning these division games, and they kind of feel like they're they're built for that. It's just it's it's still a big mess. There's still a long way to go, but there's just no way around the fact that this just feels like the one they got to have. Just feels like the one they absolutely got to have. And because of that, I'm really interested to see what the crowd's going to look like because it, it was it, I was surprised how few people were there for for San Francisco. I wonder with it being the day after Christmas. Um, maybe maybe people are asking for Bengals tickets for Christmas. The, it's going to be such a huge game. It's it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, because they say all the time, all oh, you you got to win, you got to win before people show up. Well, they're winning, and they basically have a they will basically unofficially win the AFC North if they can beat Baltimore on Sunday. And I I just am really interested to see how many open seats there's going to be at that stadium because they talk about it all the time. They're, they're going to need the crowd's help. And I think a lot of people take that week off between Christmas and, and New Year's. They'll, they'll have Monday not to go to work. I just – I think that would be really big if they could fill that stadium on Sunday. There's going to be a lot of empty seats. <laughs> there are. There are. There has been. There will be. Yeah, That's fine. Get- I, it, it just, you do got to win to fill the seats. But again, there's a lag. It's a year lag. Single game tickets are a tough way to fill a stadium in December. <laughs> yeah. People just don't commit to that. I, you'll have some walk up and some single games that you'll sell. And that's nice. But their base was far too low. They need a bigger base. You need an off season to build a base. 
That's why it's looked the way it's looked the last few weeks, and it's going to look the way it looks in Oscar. Remember back in 11, they had to go BOGO to fill the stadium against that game against Baltimore? That's right. That was like a win and get in. And maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe they need to drop a BOGO on us. You know? At this point, that's just the the way it is. I don't hold it against fans at all. I don't hold it against the team. I just think it's just the state of where they're at in trying to rebuild from the mess. In terms of tickets, they've rebuilt it on the field, but the tickets are going to be next year. And I think next year you'll see very close to capacity stadiums um, that don't require opposing teams coming in to fill it out. Mm-hmm. So, or early season games where you can count a little bit more on the weather. I don't know about you, Jay. We get to sit in the press box. Sitting out there does not look fun most December 26th. Uh, rain in the forecast for this one, uh, yeah, obviously still five days away, but yeah, that is a cold rain is not a fun way to watch a football game. No. Uh, Mo will be out there. He, As sure he, always, he, he, he doesn't mind the elements. He's out there. So let's, uh, let, let's take this second. Let's go to our good friend, Mo Egger. And uh, it's, it's time. I, got, I think we got some good stuff today for this. What's up, Mo? How are we doing, guys? Doing well. Doing excellent. Doing excellent. Let's, let's dive in your tweets. There's a couple... Well, one I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about, uh, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, the other one, uh, well, Jay, I guess you go ahead and give me. We got stats on on Mo this week. How we do? They're sad stats. What? What? Only fifty one tweets. Oh my! Wow! Wow! Really? Yeah. Hmm. You you've got to do better, Mo. Had not a lot <laughs> going on 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 Friday and Saturday, I guess. But uh, okay. I, I yeah. like to think that that just means you're spending more time with your family, and that's important. There's some validity to that. Yeah, that there actually is some validity to that, that uh, I've tried more and more when I'm around them to not have my phone with me. So mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to do. It is very hard to do. <laughs> very hard. Um, okay, I've got we'll start. We'll start here. We'll start here with the standard, uh, a standard timing. Okay. Seven sixteen p.m. on December nineteenth, Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, I liked it. Simple. Survive in advance. Original with the, with the proper dot 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 on the end of it. But <laughs> I mean, really, that is the story of 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 Sunday. So we you, we can have a lot of fun breaking down all kinds of decisions and developments and who's playing well and who's not and what it means. Survive in advance. I'm I'm with you, man. It's yeah. much, we've reached win a tilt season, as we like to call it around here. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're, we're to the point where how they do it matters less than whether they do it. And, and look, I even said uh, in a tweet maybe an hour or so late, later that that game on Sunday was a talk show host dream, at least from my perspective, because they did win. And uh, yet there were a lot of different mechanics to talk about. You know, obviously the the Zach Taylor decision on third and eight, which evoked memories of last week and everybody had an opinion on that. And that's fun to talk about, but it's more fun to talk about such things when the team is winning. But yeah, I I mean, as, as perhaps frustrating as that game was, and as perhaps as, as much as it illustrated uh, this team's uh, early game offensive issues, they just needed a win. They needed a win in whatever form they could get it. And if you take a look at, you know, everything that happened around them with the Browns last night, uh, the Ravens on Sunday afternoon, and uh, the the polarizing and controversial, I guess, manner in which they lost to the Packers, everything's right in front of them because they found a way to win a football game that for a while on Sunday, it felt like they weren't going to win. Um, and, you know, they they did it with a game plan that I really liked, which was, all right, fine. 
we don't have to win a shootout. We're not going to ask Joe Burrow to drop back 45 times behind an offensive line we don't trust. We're just going to figure out a way to get this done. And they did it with some guys on defense who made some huge plays, some guys on defense that you don't expect to make huge plays that did. And the result was an extraordinarily crucial victory that has vaulted this team into a position that none of us could have imagined back in August. If you're a Bengals fan, I don't know how you're not doing cartwheels about that because I certainly am. I'm not literally doing cartwheels because I can't, but metaphorically in my brain, at least I'm doing cartwheels. I kind of yeah, like mean, you to do a cartwheel right now, actually. Like I, we've got the video <laughs> record going. Call nine one one now. <laughs> if you don't mind and I'll try. All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, you said it, it doesn't it doesn't matter how they win at this point. I I, I think it it almost does matter be winning the way they did. And Paul kind of wrote about this where, you know, if they're gonna get in the playoffs and they're gonna advance in the playoffs, you're gonna have to do what they did in that game. You you're gonna have to lean on your defense. You're gonna have to come from behind and you're gonna have to win the turnover battle. And yeah, it wasn't the it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing game to watch, but I would argue it was it was more encouraging than frustrating to see him win a game that way against. Yeah. It, it's not a great Denver team, but it was a team with a winning record with everything on the line. So it, I, I, I put that more in the impressive win than than the ugly, just got it done category. Yeah, somebody tweeted on Sunday night that ugly is turning the ball over a bunch of times, uh, falling behind twenty four nothing like they did against mm. the Chargers. This this to me wasn't ugly. This was. This was an example of a well-rounded team in which one area might not have been at its best, but the other picked it up. And, you know, to me, there were two themes. Number one was, and that's not a great Denver team offensively by any stretch of the imagination. But if I would have said to you uh, before the season started, this team with a playoff berth sort of in front of it is going to win a game in which it only scores 15 points on the road, you would have said you're nuts because this defense isn't going to be good enough. And yet, they had guys step up and make plays. It also, you guys have, have both talked about uh, this team's biggest opponent in recent weeks has been itself with all the turnovers. Here's what can happen when you play mistake-free football. As cliche and as somewhat conservative as it sounds for somebody like me who loves aggressive, progressive, uh, you know, high-scoring football, it, it's true. It's true. If this team doesn't turn the football over, if we don't have muffed punts, if we don't have the running back dropping a ball and it being run back, if we don't have poor decision making by the quarterback that results in an interception, this team's going to be okay. And that's what this was. Um, they were more explosive at times against San Francisco, but they had to be because they killed themselves with turnovers. They were explosive mm -hmm. at times against the Chargers, but it went for naught because they killed themselves with turnovers. 
this was clean football. Clean football is not ugly football. Clean football is effective football. What this team did on Sunday was effective. Now, do they have to figure out ways to get more out of their offense? Do they have to figure out ways to get Chase and, and Higgins to get some separation? I never thought I'd see Joe Burrow have as many coverage sacks or coverage hits as he did on Sunday. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Chances are they're going to have to score more than 15 points to win some of these games they have in front of them. And certainly if they're going to advance, if they get to the postseason, but Th- that was that was an ugly football. That was complimentary football, to borrow a term that Luke Fickle always uses, and and it was an example of what this team can be if it doesn't get in its own way. And now here we are. They win their last two uh, division games. They're AFC North champs. Who would have thunk it just a couple of weeks ago? Much less before the season. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how that's their model to winning. I think you you we talk so much about learning who they are and finding their identity. I mean, we we know their traits. We know who they are at this point. When they play, they have enough talent. They are as talented, if not more talented, than every team they step on the field with. That's not been the issue. It's not a matter of not having the horses. It's a matter of a team that is kind of young and sloppy at times. And so when they're not that it's usually enough, or at least it's enough to have them right there where Joe Burrow can lift them at the end. And it's just a matter of them not doing that. And when they play games where they're not, no matter what it looks like, or you don't have to put up a ton of points. I mean, that's how anybody has to beat Denver right now. They have a great yeah. defense. Yeah. They have a great defense with a great secondary and, and a defensive head coach who's one of the best defensive minds of our current era. Like, that's how you have to beat Denver. That's what it looks like when teams do. And, so, and I it mean, was, don't, don't be ashamed of that. And it was also a testament to some of the, the roster building. I mean, you know, I said on our show yesterday with Tony Pike, I don't know who's going to win the NFL Executive of the Year award, but if this team makes the postseason, you've got to consider Duke just for some of the personnel moves that he's made. Um, mm-hmm. You know, here's Evan McPherson banging home a 58-yard field goal in large part because I – Really, I'm still not sure I know what Vic Fangio was doing at the end of the first half, but like that, that was a move that a lot of people panned and it's paid off time and again, and it paid off again on Sunday. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, and I know DJ Reader was an acquisition prior to last season, but a couple of guys that have worked out the Trey Hendrickson thing, man. Trey Hendrickson is having one of the finest seasons of any Bengals pass rusher of my lifetime. That was a free agency move that a lot of people were skeptical about. Um, the, the way they've, you know, and Logan Wilson didn't play these last two games, but, but Logan Wilson's impact as a draft pick, the decision to go ahead and take Jamar chase, uh, Khalid Kareem making one of the biggest plays of the season and then get, getting rewarded with a cart ride. Uh, th- there, there were so many things, uh, so many guys that stepped up and make plays where you're like, yep, that was the result of a decision by the front office that when the decision was made, we wondered if it was the right decision. Um, that should be talked about more than. Well, they only scored 15 points and uh, Burrow didn't throw it on third and eight and uh, Zach Taylor's a dummy and oh my God, they're doomed. If, if you're going to win um, 9, 10, 11, 12 games in this league, they're not all going to be masterpieces. They're going to Sometimes you're going to have to grind one out. I, I think you can look at every really good team in the recent history of this league and you can find a game in which, you know what, everything didn't work and they didn't win the game the way people thought and yet. They figured out a way to score more points than the other team. That is the mark of a champion. Uh, And I'm not telling you the Bengals are going to be champions, but that was not insignificant what I saw on Sunday. And it sure as hell for my money wasn't ugly. I'm I'm 44 years old. I've watched three and a half decades of ugly Bengals games. That on Sunday was not ugly. 
ask the Kansas City Chiefs how they're winning this year. Are they winning right. ugly? Mm-hmm. A team that's won pretty for years is winning with defense and not scoring a ton of points, and they've been doing that all season long, and they're the front runner in the AFC right now. You know, right. And n- nobody's talking about maybe they are in Kansas City, but nobody's talking about why aren't the Chiefs putting up forty five points? No, they're talking about how they're the number one seed and and looking great. And by the way, to add on to the the Duke Tobin discussion, how about we talk about everyone that played in the secondary? And Chiobi yeah. Uzier did not. Mike Hilton. Uh, Eli Apple, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, th- these are decisions. They seem maybe s- Apple seemed like a small one at the time, but now, I mean, we're going to talk about how he's probably going to hold down the starting role, and Trey Waynes will be the backup because because you you make those right calls, you see those right fits, and you can fill out the depth of a roster that you didn't know if you'd have enough depth on. And, and you mentioned winning ugly. The Patriots go to Buffalo in a swirling win. Mac Jones attempts three passes. And every morning, the next morning, every single one of those shows where uh, people scream at each other about sports, they were like, well, see, this is why Belichick's a genius. And I'm like, he's a genius because he chose to not pass the ball in a swirling <laughs> wind. I'm like, well, then I'm a genius. Just, but it was modify the game plan based on the conditions and the opponent and just figure out a way to get it done. Just figure out a way to get it done. And with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, it's wow, that is a testament to that organization and the genius of that coach. Why can't some of those same things apply here? Because they should. And look, I have not been shy in criticizing Zach Taylor when I think he deserves it and certainly not shy about criticizing this team when I feel like they deserve it. This team didn't deserve any of that. And they, they didn't play great. But the mark really good team is when it wins instead of loses because of. And this team on Sunday won in spite of, and they've put themselves in a really good spot here with three games to go. You know, you mentioned morning talk shows. I couldn't help but think of you when I was driving to the airport yesterday morning because Denver (laughs) sports talk was... Oh my gosh. It was, you know, (laughs) you... It's like in Cincinnati. Well, first of all, I wonder... Do you ever, when you go to road games, do you listen to, or when you travel at all, do you listen to local sports talk? And yeah. Kind of- uh, so I'm a radio nerd. Okay. Um, I listen to a, lo- a lot of local sports talk just here um, from other parts of the country because A, uh, there's a lot of shows that I really like. B, I, I just, I like the medium. Um, C, I, I love stealing ideas. <laughs> um, and D, you know, I just, sometimes it, it, it make it's, it's healthy. And I, I would, I started doing this a lot when Dusty Baker was the Reds manager and people would say, man, only in Cincinnati do people criticize the manager. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to listen to St. Louis sports talk radio. And Tony LaRusso was there <laughs> and the, the criticisms are always the same. So yes, uh, for a lot of different reasons, I listen to a lot of different local sports talk radio. And by the yeah, way, I- Denver has one of the best in the afternoon and Eric Goodman milehighsports.com four to six uh, mountain time. I just, I was, they, the angst was so high. And I guess it makes sense where in Cincinnati, people are, are kind of used to that type of thing. And whereas in Denver, they've won a Super Bowl recently. And they, it was just, I mean, it was Armageddon. I was, I was just chuckling to myself the whole drive to the airport because they were just beside themselves. I mean, they're in a, they are in, but despite the history, they're in a markedly similar situation to the Bengals. I mean, last time they went to the playoffs, 2015, you know, you're talking about mm-hmm. a third year of a head coach who hasn't given them the success that they've want and middling here in the, I mean, two teams in the, in such the same spot, which is kind of remarkable how the, the tone is different maybe here compared to there. I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in that because yeah. I have this that I need to talk to Mo about, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and I, pre- I I just appreciated your approach oh, no. on oh, this no. is all it yeah. is. And it was from 9.19 a.m., which early – I appreciate the early rise on this one, December 16th. And that was just a picture of Urban Meyer <laughs> hawking Bob Evans. He's got – he's got – his red Bob Evans polo on and his Bob Evans <laughs> coffee mug, and he's got that bad smile. And that's all you sent. Like, you had no comment. You didn't want to touch the big story of the day. You just had Urban Meyer in Bob Evans gear. And I thought that was a genius approach to the situation. Thank you. Sometimes, like, you just want to be a part of what everybody's talking about, but you have nothing new to say. <laughs> and if you remember, right before the scandal that resulted in him missing three games at Ohio State, he partnered with Bob Evans to become the head breakfast coach. I don't know why I found that so humorous. I love Bob Evans. My my late grandmother and I ate at Bob Evans every single week. So it's no knock on. I could eat Bob Evans right now. But I just I was I was amused. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh. But so that photo was part of the the campaign. And, you know, I mean, in, in, immediately you knew how this was going to unfold. There was going to be talk of like, well, is, is he done? Can he ever be redeemed? Is he, is he going to have a shot at redemption? Does he go back to college? Where's where's Urban going to surface? And I just I wanted to remind people that there is perhaps a job waiting for him at uh, his at breakfast coach. Bob Evans down on the farm. <laughs> While we're talking breakfast, can you give a review of another po- photo you posted? Uh, how were the Skyline breakfast enchiladas? Because that looks great. They were phenomenal. I let them. We ran out of aluminum foil in my house. So this might have made a difference. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Aluminum foil. So they were really good. I left them in the oven maybe a little bit too long because the tops of the shells were a little bit too hard. Um and I probably should have put more onions in them because I love onions. But yeah, they were they were bang up. Uh, and my daughter, we actually I heated the last two up this morning. She ate about a third of one. And for her to eat a third of anything that's not a chocolate chip cookie is remarkable. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, Skyline Chili breakfast enchiladas were they were a hit. I, I, I will I will make them again. But this the, the next time I'll have uh, aluminum foil. Yeah, pro- probably don't recommend every day. For breakfast, no. um, I mean it's not going to be your 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 standard cereal, you know. No, or, I mean you, it, it did take eggs, about but. yeah, it did take about forty five minutes to make. So I mean yeah, you know you roll out of bed on a Tuesday morning, you know when you can pour a, a, a bowl of cocoa puffs. I mean you're not going to instead choose to you know make go through this long lab process. But like in my house, we all do on Christmas morning do a nice brunch after after Santa comes. So we're going to make them again with mimosas and bloody berries <laughs> different different so we can handle christmas breakfast yes. cocktails oh yeah oh, so we can handle the coming storm of family yes. members but yeah uh they were very very good awesome i love it well uh, i appreciate it um we'll keep an eye out to see if urban does uh surface as <laughs> bob evans breakfast coach i really look forward to that and uh mo i also look forward to uh meeting you in the new studio this afternoon oh, this uh, could be this from thing, three to four you have no i have no idea what we're in for first show in the new studio <laughs> i mean if, if i'm the sure microphone- it'll go well i i have I'm, well, we, I'm positive everything will go well uh, we did our show uh, uh, Tony and I at, at uh, Twin Peaks in Florence, but it was produced from the new studios in Kenwood and it was a disaster. And that's okay. nobody's fault. These things just sort of happen when you move. 
but it was a disaster. Well, I look forward to that, and I like disasters. <laughs> so I will see you this afternoon. Thanks, Mo. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Always great to catch up with Mo. And <laughs> I, I could hold down that Bob Evans breakfast coach job until Urban wants to come back and take it. I think I'd be pretty good. I want to. I want to ask a favor. If anybody out there has Photoshop skills, can you put Urban in an Arby's uniform for me? <laughs> I might just frame it as an Ohio State fan. I, I and an Arby's fan, obviously. That that would be great if someone could do that. <laughs> um, that's that's fantastic. Um, I'm not going to touch the idea of Urban working at Arby's. There's there's too many jokes there. Um, <laughs> All right, let's let's recap. Uh, Jay, you had some stats. I wanted to make sure that uh, that we got to. You talked a li- we talked a little bit about perception and where they're at compared to where we thought they would be. Um, you've got you you went back last January and looked at the odds of any team going from worst to first and how often that happened because it does happen. Um, and the yeah. odds of the Bengals would be the one to do it. What what? What did that say? Can we revisit that for a second? Yeah, what it was is I, I was looking at how often teams go from last place just to the playoffs, and it, it had happened in 16 of the 18 previous years. Um, and so I, I contacted all the, la- the beat writers from The Athletic from all the teams that finished last last year and asked them, you know, why will your team make the playoffs? Why won't your team make the playoffs next year? And then I asked our friends – at betonline.ag if they would come up with some odds for me. And so the one was, will a 2020 last place team win its division in 2021? And yes was the favorite, minus 180. And no was plus 140. I don't know if we're going to see any of these teams win the division, but I I think some of them are going to make the playoffs. And I asked for odds on making the playoffs. They gave me odds on winning the division. And it was, if a 2020 last place team does win its division in 2021, which one will it be? Obviously, there's eight teams that finished last last year. The Bengals had the fifth best odds. They were eight to one. The 49ers were two to one. The Eagles were three to one, which makes sense because that division had a losing record last year. Uh, the Falcons were five to one. The Jaguars were actually six to one. The Jaguars had better odds of winning the AFC South this year than the Bengals did of winning the NFC North. And then the Jets were eight to one. The Broncos were 10 to one. And the Lions were 12 to one. Right now, maybe the 49ers could do it, but I mean, there, it feels like there's a real shot the Bengals do this and, and, I don't know if this was something they they came up with for me. I don't know if they actually posted it. I, I wonder if anybody got in on an eight to one for the Bengals to win the division. Well, I think you could have caught bigger odds than that if you just were trying to bet them outright. Uh, True. At the beginning of the season, I think <laughs> I think they were about twenty. Um, so you, you you definitely could go. We did we did an odds show back during our break before the season started. Uh, that was all the odds for the season, and if I remember correctly, you could get the Bengals at twenty-two to one um, at that point in time to win the North. And I think we were just trying to speculate on what the odds would be for them to finish above the Steelers uh, at that point. Um, and so we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Of course, like we said, um, a long way to go. Um, we do need a recap growler bet from last week. 
Growler bet was what will Joe Burrow's fourth quarter passer rating be? As we discussed the way he torched the 49ers previously. Joe Burrow threw four passes in the fourth quarter against Denver. <laughs> he was three of four for 23 yards. Really, only one of them mattered. He basically threw one pass in the fourth quarter, and that was the 15-yard completion to Tyler Boyd, which was huge. Uh, that made for a rating of 88.5. We did not have a winner this week. Uh, on Twitter, T Faith had 86.7. On email, Brian Aubrey had 90.3. Each were exactly in opposite directions, 1.8 points away from being correct, which is so close, so close, but still nothing for you. Um, the delicious 50 West beer, which I, I had, I have tasted the OU, oh yeah, beer, Jay. How was it? I went, I went directly to the source, drank it out of the tap. They didn't have any more cans left up there. It's hard. They've been hard to find. There's a few places apparently it's still left at. It's the one based off the, the hot nut at Tony's. And I was informed by Optimistic Bobby that when they did the release party, they went and did it at OU at Tony's, and he sat with Tony at Tony's oh. bar and drank this like 11.7% ABV for like three hours, and Tony told him all his old Tony stories, and he said it was everything you could ever imagine it would be, including a massive uh, struggle the next day. But um sounded like a good time, as far as I could tell. Um I'm sure Tony has told those stories. Yes. Hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of times, but I would pay. If you did, you know, they do usually, they'll do those like charity auctions where you pay for experiences. You you auction off an experience. I would, that'd be an auction off experience for me. Yeah. Sit next to Tony for three hours, drink oh you oh yeah, and let him just tell all the stories that he always tells. My my favorite Tony's story is it was my my birthday. It was my twentieth birthday, and we went there. And I was I was gone. I wasn't so gone that I don't remember this, but I knew I was done. And someone bought me a shot of Rumplemans, and I look. I it looked like I threw it down, but I threw it over my shoulder. I did not do it. And who knows? I probably soaked somebody, but I was not going to do that shot. I knew there was no way I was going to get home if I did that shot. Um, oh, with nothing the, wrong with a shot of rumple mints to close your night, Jay. Now you know. Oh, you know I disagree. I <laughs> <laughs> um, um, with the growler bet, though, some this is important. Uh, I had one hundred point one. You had one hundred thirteen. I won. I am now in the lead, six to five. First time all year I've had the lead. Late charge by you. Late charge by you. Plenty, plenty of season left. Plenty of season <laughs> is left. There? There is three important games. I feel good. I feel good. I'm going to take it a little more seriously this week. I'm going to give it more thought. Maybe more uh, than three. Run games. pass or boot. Uh, last week we were go- we were talking about what the final score of the game would be because the Bengals have only played two types of games all year: games that have been cited by exactly three points, or games that have been cited by two TDs or more. So we said run pass or boot. What was it going to be? Exactly three points, two TDs or more, or somewhere in between for the first time all year. And I'll be GD'd what happened <laughs> for the first time all season. They played one in between, and I had picked that. I had booted that. You had passed on that. I take the L. I don't like that. Only the second time this year that, you're, that the, the, the one that hit was your boot. Um, 
and, and we both shared it back in the Detroit game. It was the one about what would be longer that um, Swift's receiving yards, the longest completion or McPherson's longest field goal. And we both booted the completion and Joe Burrow hit the long one to Jamar Chase. And we both failed on that one. So we, what is that? Where are we at with that on the season? Well, you have six runs that hit, and I have five runs that hit. So I guess technically you're in the lead there. Close competitions this year. Close, yes. no, nobody's nobody's running away with anything. So, uh, all right. We'll of course have more growler bets and run passer boots when we come back on Thursday's episode for you. The new ones for this week in this big game against Baltimore. Um, We'll have the walkout for you on Sunday and then the live room again for you on Monday in the lunch hour. Uh, we should be – we will likely be back at noon, but just keep an eye out. We're update, we'll update you on that after the walkout and online and everywhere else, and you can always hop on the site and the, you get a notification if you follow the Bengals on the site as a subscriber uh, when that thing starts anyway. So we'll, you'll always know what's going on. Thanks, everybody, that has been joining those. Uh Outside of that, we'll be back with a big preview show. Jeff Zrebeck will join us to talk about the chaos that continues to be happening in Baltimore, including like the rise of Tyler Huntley. That is the latest storyline of, hey, this Tyler Huntley guy is actually kind of good. I, I, I was going through the transcript yesterday, and the question was asked, I mean, I know Lamar is great, but like if he's not really all the way healthy, does Huntley allow you to kind of hold him out another week? And it was like, wow, we've reached this portion of the program? <laughs> then maybe you hold Lamar out and let Huntley go get him again? But it's true. Their offense had been struggling mightily. And now Huntley's come in, and they've put up some points in a couple of weeks. So maybe. If, if, I'm, if I'm power ranking AFC North quarterbacks, Huntley might be number three right now. <laughs> I got him ahead of Ben and Baker. Well, certainly ahead of I, the, the Browns. I'm really, <laughs> really looking forward to the Zach Jackson conversation. Oh, yes. Week 18. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. What a year it has been uh, for them in Cleveland. And after the un- unbelievable that they were right there at the end and damn near beat the Raiders mm. with the cast of cast-offs that they had out there, including Nick Mullins, who did pretty well, yeah, all things considered. I, you know, unbelievable. What a, what a year. If they, it's just, if you end up looking back on this season and the fact that the Browns had half their team missed because of COVID and their coach and two quarterbacks ends up being the difference. It's just unbelievable, right? It's just un, just unbelievable. And now the NFL's hands-off targeted testing, which apparently means just a couple random tests show up now. I don't know. Which is great news for the Bengals because they have not had that outbreak yet. So no, that, I now mean, that, that, now, and now that apparently there's just a couple rando tests that show up, yeah. you don't have to worry as much unless guys actually get sick, but whatever. Here we go. Down the stretch we go. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Ground. Have a good one, everybody.